Hey, good morning, Monstropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! So what can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Logged It. We're here for episode number 43. We're talking about uh, third films and series. Because there's that one movie coming out this weekend that uh, everyone's going to hate. And I'm going to walk out going... Kind of liked it. I don't know, man. I like the dinos. Uh, very excited about the show. We got a great panel for you. Boatman, you are here as always. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Famously uh, a big fan of the Jurassic Park sequels. Famously. Famously. Knowing, knowing what dinosaurs look like mm -hmm. uh, is probably like my most notable trait. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also on the show, for back again after a couple weeks, Garth. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Thank you. Good to be back. Uh, a lot of health issues, but I'm here. Uh, and I like the Jurassic Park movies, but as a guy who grew up with dinosaurs, they got the visuals all wrong. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Kirk, you are here as well. How are you doing, yes. sir? I'm doing all right. Excited to be here. Um, I've seen more than three movies, so... I think that qualifies me for the night's list. I'm not sure. I believe it does. Uh, and Mr. Scott Harvey is here. Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I watched the original Jurassic Park on Sunday, and I said to my friend afterwards, I was like, I hit my quota for Jurassic movies for the year. I watched one, and uh, I'm good. That's the only one <laughs> I need to watch, and that anyone needs to watch, probably. Uh, not wrong. I, I, Me and Maggie just rewatched all of them. I... Okay, I tangent, uh, but we're talking about movies. Already, this is the show. We talk about movies, so why not? Uh, I world, I like. It's not that it's stupid, but I like it. Everything else is is kind of rough. Uh, I, I will say that Jake Marangoni's review of Fallen Kingdom that he posted today is one of the most accurate things I've ever read on Letterbox. So you should I, definitely go check it out. I still give that movie a higher rating than he did, but I, I pretty much agreed with most of everything. Yeah, straight facts. Uh, but anyway, we are going to get into the show. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about third films and series. But before we do that, we're going to talk about our favorite movies that we logged this week. So, Mr. Boatman, why don't you kick us off if you don't mind? I'm glad I get to start. Uh, I This was a good week for movies. I'll say that. Uh I thought, uh, like, two days ago, I was like, okay, I've got my logged it pick in the bag because I watched 1987's Tin Men, and that was great. And then last night, uh, or two nights ago at this point, Mike and I watched Miracle Mile, which is an 80s movie. And it is fantastic. Miracle Mile. So Anthony Edwards plays, like, Kind of got this movie has like major after hours vibes. If you like after hours, this this movie is very of a very similar ilk because it's this Anthony Edwards is like this awkward guy who uh, finds like the girl of his dreams, and then he misses their first date, and he's trying to get a, a hold of her. And while he's trying to get a hold of her, 
he finds out by accident that there may be nukes coming and that there's probably only like 70 minutes until the nukes hit Los Angeles. So now it's a panic rush to at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning to find this girl, find a way to escape and get out before the nukes possibly come or he could just be wrong. And the directions it goes are both hilarious and terrifying. I love the heck out of this movie. It came out of nowhere and surprised me. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I've never even heard of this, but that sounds interesting. I, I read your review on Letterboxd, and you kind of uh, you you made the after hours comment, and that's you know that's gonna get me in, it, interested in any type of movie. I love after hours, so uh, yeah, I'll check it out. Garth, have you seen this? Uh, I probably saw it like when it came out, and I don't remember much of it. Um, it sounds familiar, but I probably haven't seen it since the 80s. Kirk? Uh, I haven't seen it, but based on Boatman's description, I just uh, added to my watch list. Perfect. And Scott? Yeah, I looked at it when I saw Boatman had watched it, and uh, I mean, it's an attention-grabbing premise for sure, so I will uh, try to check it out. Also, 88 minutes. I yeah, can I noticed that as well. It's, uh, it is, like, beyond the first, like, five minutes or so, which is all the background, the rest of the movie is in real time. Oh, uh, yeah, I like that you're, a lot. But, you're uh, saying it's actually 88 minutes, unlike the movie 88 Minutes. <laughs> I have seen that. That's the Al Pacino one, right? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, what a, a classic. classic. <laughs> all right, uh, Garth, why don't you hit us with your pick? Uh, well, I I actually didn't watch much uh, new stuff. I rewatched a bunch of movies. So does that count? Um, Absolutely, sure. Okay, uh, then I got to go with uh, my all-time favorite movie, Casablanca. I rewatched it, uh, and so it's been one of my favorite movies since I was a kid. I mean, it's a weird movie for a kid to love, but uh, uh, it's it's got war, romance, uh, shooting Nazis. Uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. And it's been uh, imitated a lot. And, uh, you know, the the bad comics movie Barbed Wire, they tried to do Casablanca and that. But uh, 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 anyways, it's, it's one of the classics for a reason and one best picture for a reason. And I just love it to death. Did this win best picture? Uh, yeah. Yes. I don't know about the best it won best picture and best director, but that's that's it. Uh I also watched this, Garth. Interesting. Who knows why? Uh no, I so I <laughs> see this twice now. It was uh, a long time ago, and then uh my dog is freaking out, but he he was sick today, and so I stayed home because we were a little worried about him, and I found myself with some time to watch some movies. So uh, I was able to watch this today, and yeah, I, I really like it. Like we know that like Tim is not a classics person. Tim is not a pre seventies type of guy, um, but there is something about this one. Like the character, like I, I find just like a lot of the characters and the situations, especially for like when I put into context, like when it came out, uh, very very interesting and very good. I think I, I 
don't want to step on Scott's toes, but I believe I read a review of his today when I was uh, watching the movie that said like number one screenplay of all time. It's like kind of hard to disagree. Like the screenplay is pretty fucking good. So uh, it's never going to be one that I'm like obsessed with, but like, as <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think it was blue. Right. Uh, so uh, great, uh, great movie. Great pick. Don't, fault you at all for this being your favorite movie if that's what you said so uh bowman uh yeah uh i i love casablanca i i rewatched it this year and i liked it even more on rewatch i think i was a little little young when i saw it like that was the week i was like first getting into classics and i remember loving it but uh now that i'm older i i appreciate it even more and it's it, it's fantastic i love all the you know there's the main storyline but i love all the little side storylines and you've got just a cavalcade of great classic character actors in here uh i think probably the best one here he was nominated for as he should have been claude rains claude rains is just one of my guys i love claude rains and he's probably my favorite thing in this movie he's fantastic but like Whenever Peter Laurie shows up in something, that I just get a smile on my face. I love me some Peter Laurie. Me, me, help me. I got I got very confused uh, today because I watched Casab. So I watched a lot of movies. I, I watched Contact, which we'll talk about later, and then um, I watched Frankenstein. I've been going on like a monster movie like run a little bit, and then I watched Casablanca, and then I was like. Oh, let's watch another monster movie. And I put in the invisible man and got like super confused. And I was like, wait. <laughs> and then, so I'm like halfway through invisible man right now and enjoying it very much. But invisible man's my favorite of those. It so far, like I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I'm into it. I, I like it a lot, but. And the uh, effects for the time were. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Uh, Kirk Casablanca. Um, yeah, I love this movie. I've talked about it a lot. Um, I may totally respect this as a favorite, all-time favorite movie. Um, the more I watch it, every time I watch it, I like it more. Um, I just love the, the tone and the world building. Just I've talked about before, like those first 10 minutes might be like the greatest first 10 minutes of the movie ever, just setting everything up and putting everything in place. Um, you know, the character of Rick and his arc is just so fantastic from where he starts just abandoning Peter Lorre and like be like, I stick my duck up for nobody. And then just watch him change from that. Um, you know, like like Boatman said, the uh, the, 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 the supporting cast, uh, Claude Rains, Peter Lorre, Cindy Greenstreet, uh, so many great things. I love the one uh, girl who's like, She's like a, she's a French girl's like uh, collaborator of the Nazis, and then you know everybody like kind of rejects her. The the, the, the how they say the name of the French Le Marseille. Le Marseille. Yeah. That scene um, where oh. you finally see her get up the courage. That is that is like the all time like great side character moment where like so you just good. see her like her, her complete character arc in that one second, and it's so fantastic. I get chills just thinking about it. Um, but no, this is an amazing movie. I love it so much. Uh, Scott. Yeah, I so I watched it in theaters last year actually, which was amazing. And then a few weeks ago, I rewatched it again. I've actually moved it now from I think it was number twelve on my top one hundred. It's now number five. Um, oh, wow. I, there's not anything wrong with this movie. I, there's nothing to dislike about this movie, in my opinion. I think it is like the perfect movie. Like if you want to just show somebody a movie that has legitimately everything, I do think it's the number one screenplay. I mean, not a scene passes 
not two minutes past without you hearing a quote that you've heard like a, a billion times yeah. before, even, you know, if you've never seen the movie. So, I mean, yeah, I don't have a bad word to say about this movie. It's almost my favorite movie as well. So, Cool. All right. Uh, great pick. Um, Kirk, why don't you go next? Okay. Um, I got to watch a lot of good movies this week too. So um, a lot to pick from. Um, but I think the pick I'm going to go with is I watched Clint ha- the the first Western that Clint Eastwood directed, which was High Plains Drifter um, from 1973. Uh, this is I, I didn't know I knew like it was it was a, like a pretty standard Eastwood man of no name kind of Western story, um, but it has such a really cool edge to it. It's almost like a it's got a horror story feel to it. Um, it starts out he comes into the town just like all these movies are set up where he comes into town. And the uh, the town the townspeople are desperate for help. They need them, and um, you know it kind of follows that formula. But things are not what they seem, and it basically comes down to where like Clint Eastwood's character is pretty despicable. Uh, the people he has to fight are pretty despicable. The townspeople, are pretty, there's no one in this movie to root for. Nobody you like, but it has like that that feeling of um, just that real grimy feeling to it. Like it felt kind of dirty after watching it. Um, but like I said, it has like some horror elements. I don't want to give, I don't give too much away, but it definitely feels like um, there's a lot more behind the scenes going on. And like, it's very um, uh, am- ambiguous where you, by the time it's even over, you really don't know who he was or what was happening. Um, but it's directed really well. He, you could tell he, you know, he was paying attention all those years. He was making uh, Westerns with guys like Sergio Leone. Like he really has a feel for the camera. Um it looks really good. Just like the way the, the, the town is just, it's this town, it's just these buildings out in the middle of nowhere. And it looks like your standard Western town, but not really. Like there's just something off to it. There's something off to everything. And it just has that like really freaky tone to it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, uh, I've never seen this, but I, I decided a while ago that like the 2022 was going to be the year of like, tim expanding himself as far as films go so i actually just bought the man with no name trilogy they all came out on 4k from uh uh one of the i think it's kino did the set for this so i and and correct me if i'm wrong because i actually don't know that i started with the right one i've been told that you can watch them in any order but I started with fistful of dollars that's correct right that's that's yeah going release order fistful a few dollars more there's no necessary order you really can start with whatever and watch them in any order i i think time like character time wise the good bad and the ugly is like a prequel to the technically speaking yes but again you can watch them in order anyway i really enjoyed that i didn't think i was going to i mean i gave it a three so it wasn't like my like all time it's like not an all-time favorite or whatever, but I don't love Westerns. I thought I was going to dislike it, but I actually wound up enjoying it. Um, I thought Clint Eastwood was very good. So that I this actually sounds more like something I'll like. Like I, Fistful of Dollars was kind of like really, really goofy in parts, and then all of a sudden it got like super brutal and just like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like High Plains Drifter, like reading some of the stuff on Letterboxd, like the most popular review for this movie on Letterboxd is a Jesus Clint. This is some dark shit. And that, like the way Kirk was describing, I'm like, oh, that actually sounds like something I'd like. So um, I will definitely add this to the watch list because uh, I'm going to try to watch more of these this year. So uh, Boatman, have you seen this one? 
I have not. I've I, I've been familiar with it. Like I knew it existed and that Eastwood directed it, but I didn't really know anything else beyond that. And Kirk's kind of sold me on it. I want to watch this movie very soon now. Uh, Garth. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen all these uh, many times. Uh, but sometimes I get some of these mixed up. Uh, Kirk, correct me. Is this the one where it sort of alludes that he's sort of like the devil or something? Yeah, I mean, that's one possible interpretation. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Where he sort of like fades in, fades out and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's definitely a darker tone, and like Kirk said, it's got horror elements. Uh, you know, it's it's got more mystery to it. Um, and the other ones, he's basically simple uh, shooter guy, you know, like basic western. But this one's got a little more uh, mystery and, and depth to it. All right, Scott, have you seen this? I've not. I've seen quite a few of the. Eastwood westerns, but this is one that I have uh, have missed. But I generally enjoy them and enjoy him as a filmmaker, so um, I'd probably like it. Yeah, I've seen like all of his modern stuff, and I like his. Uh, that's not fair. I like most of his modern stuff. Um, fifteen seventeen. I'm, I'm not sitting here rocking fifteen seventeen to Paris or anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, okay, Scott, why don't you go next? What's uh, your pick for your favorite? Sure. So I mentioned Jurassic Park. That would have been my pick just overall, but I want to talk about a movie that I watched for the first time. Obviously, it wasn't my first time watching Jurassic Park, but um, I finally watched a movie that is one of my was one of my biggest blind spots from the last few years. Um, and uh, for the movie watching challenge I'm doing, we're supposed to watch an LGBT film this week because it's Pride Month. So I finally watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, and it was as spectacular as was promised um, for you know the last two three years. Um, I went to see Celine Siama's um, latest film, which is Petite Maman, um, a few weeks ago in theaters, and uh, that's probably my favorite movie of 2022 so far. So I was like, this is it. Like I have no more excuses. I have to check out Portrait of a Lady on Fire now. And yeah, this movie is it. I mean, it is a little bit of a slow burn, but like there are so many. Um, it, it's a very quiet film. She's a very quiet filmmaker in general. Petit Maman is the same way. But there's so much. I'm like in awe, honestly, of how much she can convey with just like a facial expression or uh, body language without using dialogue, basically. I love filmmakers who can show, not tell. Um, and she is definitely in that camp. Like there's so many moments of them just kind of looking at each other, the two main characters, but there's like something different conveyed. It feels like in every single glance and look that they're giving each other. And because of the period and when it's set, it's kind of like, you know, you could tell that with every single time they're like looking at each other. It's like, I want to like remember this face because you know it's not the cell phone era or whatever you can't just snap a picture and then like oh i'm gonna you know look at this picture 30 years from now and fondly remember it um so i think there's a real purpose behind every single you know glance that um oh okay well the the chat enjoys it as well i guess but um but yeah every single glance and then um yeah like the two performances are fantastic adele hanel and naomi merlant um Again, the, they're so um, in lockstep with what um, Celine Siama is trying to do. And the way that the movie builds, like, is, you know, it's hip, hypnotic. And then finally, like, the last scene of the movie um, is, like, full body chills, what happens. She's such a, 
she uses m music so strategically in her movies. Siama does as well. And um, the way it's used in the final scene of this movie is just like spellbinding. Um, so I totally agree with what everyone says about this movie. It's fantastic. Everyone but Kirk, I mean, says about this movie. Um, it's fantastic. And if you haven't seen it yet, um, no more excuses. I finally, uh, I finally watched it. So um, it's it's absolutely great. And um, yeah, uh, I don't know what else to say. It's a beautiful film. Watch it and Petit Maman as well. Uh, well, uh, I'll jump in because it seems like Tim is frozen. Uh, I've not seen this. Garth, have you seen this? Uh, no. Uh, apologies to my buddy Aaron. I have not seen this yet. Kirk, you've seen this. Go ahead. I've seen it. Um, everybody's heard my rant. Um, and I won't step over Scott's uh, too bad, even though I want to, um, you know, ad leads in here, so I can go after them. But, uh, no, this, I just, I think it's like, I, I don't see what Scott sees. Like, when I see them stare at each other, I just see them stare at each other. And, um, you know, I've said it before, I feel like it's a movie, you know, I understand why that's all they can do, um, but it doesn't make for an interesting movie for me. I'll just say that. Yeah, like, even the a lot of the people who love this movie kind of tell me that I'll be mid on it. Like, I, I feel like I'll be mid on it. Well, while we wait for Tim to come back, uh, we'll get into uh, the worst movie log. Has everyone gone for favorite? Except yes. for Tim, I think, yeah. right? Oh, Tim hasn't gone yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this raises it. We'll, we'll wait a second. Uh, let's pour. I have, yeah, I have I, a clue what his best might be. But... I mean, I don't Anyway, I Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah, we're all agreed uh, that that is great, right? Jurassic yeah. Park is fantastic, and, and that and Schindler's List in the same year. What the hell? I know. Um, I mean, it will never be beaten. Uh, well, I don't know. Tom McCarthy making the Cobbler and Spotlight in the same year. It probably better <laughs> no, but um, I'll, but no, I'll actually, take the, the second the year to just showcase the other great movie I watched this week, which is Tin Men with Richard Dreyfus and Danny DeVito. Okay, if you guys have you ever if you've ever seen the movie Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck and Samuel Jackson. It's basically that oh thank goodness Tim's back. <laughs> What's up? Go ahead. Portrait of a lady on oh, fire. Okay. Uh, okay, so a couple things. Um, as Scott was talking, I heard everything Scott said. I, I didn't hear anything Paul said. Um, but I haven't seen it. There, oh, perfect. There you go. Uh, did everybody else talk about the movie? Then? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I liked this movie uh, when I saw it. I saw it right when it came out in theaters. It was the like one of the last movies I saw before COVID shut down. Um, and then I watched it again with Maggie. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't. I don't love it. I want to see um, the one Scott referred to. Petite. What was it? Petite Maman. What is it? Yeah, and it, it is slow as well, but it's only 72 minutes long. So, like, I feel like it's a lot easier to, to take, that probably. Sold. Uh, but also, um, uh, going off of the Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, I was looking on Letterboxd. You know, every time we do a movie, I like the reviews of the movie from the people in the community. Uh, Jack Pinchuk, you've seen this movie 11 times. You've written 11 reviews for this movie. Why? 
Like, get it. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, who would watch the same movie like more than ten times and review it every single time on Letterboxd? A movie hey, that came out in 2019, definitely not me. So. I've done it too. I'm saying this movie, <laughs> Jack Pinchuk, it doesn't add up. Uh, so uh, all that to be said, we are going to move on uh, to me. I believe we're on to me. Okay, so um, I watched a lot of movies, but honestly, nothing. I, I watched my favorite movie, which was Monsters Inc., but I'm not gonna like talk about Monsters Inc. again. Uh, but honestly, my favorite movie I watched this week was probably Contact. We'll get to that. I really enjoyed that, so we'll talk about that later. If I had to pick something else, I'm gonna highlight maybe the unknown film that maybe not a lot of people know about. It just came out in theaters, being completely eclipsed by Top Gun and everything. It's a little uh, thriller movie called Watcher. Um, I know Scott's seen this, uh, but I don't think anyone else has. But uh, I was I was looking forward to this because the lead actress, whose name I always forget, uh, I really, really like her. And I liked her in uh, It Follows. I thought she was very good. So I was looking Mike forward Monroe, to it. Yeah. And she's in The Guest, too, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I liked yeah. her in that as well. So I was looking forward to this. I like weird thriller horror movies. And uh, this was very much – it felt very – and I don't know if this word's coming to my brain because Scott might have used it in his review or if I'm just making this up, but it felt Hitchcockian in a, in a way, almost. Um, and basically the 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 basic setup is just like girl and husband move into apartment in foreign city and a guy's watching her from across the street and shit ensues. And... Um, it's it's kind of a slow burn but also like you're you're it's like 90 minutes long so you're kind of i don't know the the slowness of the movie worked almost in a way because like as she's kind of like going crazy over this you're kind of going crazy with her trying to figure out like who actually is the bad guy and who's the who's the good guy in this scenario um i also thought and I saw some people write reviews about this on Letterboxd say that the ending was a little weak. I loved the ending. I thought the the final shot, like the final like 30 seconds of this movie was fucking awesome. Like a really good payoff that I really, really liked. Um, so I think it'll probably be on VOD within the next couple of weeks. Um, it was a very small theatrical release. Um, so I would imagine that it'll be out on VOD pretty soon. If you like like suspense thriller type movies, um, I would watch this. I thought it was interesting. Uh, so, uh, Boatman, have you seen this or have you even heard of it? I had not even heard of this. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know if I would like it, but like, you're kind of selling me on a little bit. Okay. Garth. Never even heard of it, and as a public service announcement, if you uh, feel signs of Hitchcockian, consult the wizard. <laughs> uh, Kirk. I also had not heard of this one, but it sounds interesting. All right, and then Scott, I, like we said, we know you've seen it. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, I watched this at Virtual Sundance this year. I, I was really into it as well. It... Um, what it does, it's really smart. Even, I mean, you hear the setup and you're like, oh, this is just, you know, Rear Window or, you know, a similar type movie. But what it does that's really smart, I think, is it, number one, it has like, there's gender commentary going on in it. But as part of that, 
you like you kind of said, Tim, you're like very much questioning who is watch doing the watching, right? Is like, is this person across the way actually, you know, doing something sinister and watching her? Or is this all in her head? You know, she's alone in a foreign city. Is this just her projecting something? Um, and it really keeps you guessing for quite a lot of the movie, um, which I think is um, good. The other thing that I like that's really smart is that they cast Bern Gorman as the guy who is watching her. Yeah. And if you're trying to cast somebody who like, isn't necessarily doing anything very sinister, but all of a sudden, but you're just getting very sinister vibes from them the whole time. Burn Gorman is the perfect person to cast because you just look at the guy and you're like, something's not right here. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. It, it, in the first few scenes, I was like, the weird thing is, is like, I didn't immediately, I, I didn't know his name, but I like recognized his face. I was like, why sure. do I know Everyone him? recognizes his face. I was probably. like, what do I know him from? And then I like, opened up imdb and sure enough i i knew him because of the dark knight rises but yeah. uh he's probably been at a lot of other stuff but he was very good as well uh so uh okay we're gonna move on to worst least favorite movies of the week so caleb why don't you uh kick us off with that uh yeah um so you know i was stupid and went through best at picture and I'm still being stupid, and I'm going through Best Actor. Uh, this isn't awful by any means, but I watched Harry and Tonto. Uh, and for all the people who only know Harry and Tonto for one reason, but hate it because of that one reason, you're justified, because it's not good. It's not the worst thing ever. It's not. It's a two and a half. One, Art Carney's not great he's he's fine he's not bad or anything but he's not doing anything special here it's a very meh performance in my opinion um and who he stole the oscar from he was the only wrong choice of the four nominees i would give it to any of them personally dustin hoffman but like pacino is the big one everyone always talks about and like that's fair he, that could totally go that way too but yeah no uh if you just want to see an old man walk around with a cat for an hour 40 minutes this seems like your kind of movie uh garth uh i don't think i've uh, seen this one i don't recall it all right kirk yeah see i, I think this community and film community in general puts too much weight on the Oscars and this music movie is a perfect example of why um, that being said uh, I do need to see this just out of morbid curiosity I know Boatman will probably warn me away from it and I'll probably regret it but I just have to see what there are worse best actor winners you could watch I'll say that okay uh, Scott you could watch Bohemian Rhapsody um yeah no I only know this movie for the one reason and I think Boatman's review basically confirms what I have thought of uh, you know what I have always thought that it was probably like so uh, yeah not gonna check it out I'm very confused I don't know anything about this movie what's the thing He's, look and, up, yeah look, look up, up who was nominated in best actor this year and yes. you'll, you'll understand oh so it's just the fact that he beat Al Pacino for the Oscar. Al Pacino. It's not just Al Pacino, yeah. Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, Dustin Hoffman in Lenny, 
and Albert Finney in Murder on the Orient Express. I have seen all five of the nominees, and there was only one wrong answer, yeah, and it was our That's fair. I've seen, I haven't seen, what is it, Lenny? But yeah. uh, I can assume that Dustin Hoffman's probably Albert good. Finney would have been weird, too, but yeah. All right. I, uh, I like Albert Finney. He's the second worst, but he's still good. Fair enough. All right, Garth, uh, what's your least favorite you log this week? Uh, my least favorite is uh, one of the latest from uh, Michael Bay, Ambulance. Uh, I've seen a lot of friends and stuff uh, actually love it, uh, but it wasn't for me. Um, I, I've seen many movies over the years, you know, The Gauntlet and other ones where, the, you know, you got to get a vehicle through the city. I mean, even speed, you know, got to get the bus, you know, keep going. Uh, so basically this was one of those where they just got to get the ambulance, keep going. Uh, you know, all the cops are shooting at them or, or trying not to shoot at them because there's another cop in the, in the ambulance. But, uh, but for me, uh, the thing that drove me nuts is that Michael Bay kind of fell in love with drone cameras too much and he uses them liberally including inside buildings like there's inside a bank he's like zooming around and he goes under people's legs and stuff and things like that and it's like really you need it for that you know um so that kind of drove me nuts uh some of the acting's good and stuff uh but i wasn't a big fan of the plot and the the drone like i said the drone shots and other michael bay stuff was just a little too much. It was too bay for me. Uh, yeah, I so I, I I don't think I talked about it on this show, but I know I've talked about it on a show. Um, I got to see this uh, like a couple like a month early or so at a at a conference I went to earlier this year, and I saw it in IMAX, and they like Universal like brings us out to like watch a sizzle reel, and we saw like. Uh, scenes from the Northmen and like new trailers for Minions and Downton Abbey. And this was like, this was back in like March and it was all like pretty, like very like run of the mill universal stuff. And then they're like, and we're going to show you ambulance, enjoy the movie. And I was like, I was looking forward to it. Cause like, I'm a defender of a lot of like shitty Michael Bay movies. Like I like a lot of the Transformers movies cause I'm a terrible person. Uh, but I went into this and I don't know if it was like, I had been up for, 15 hours like i was tired from traveling like i don't know what it was but i fucking hated this like despised my time with this movie but then everybody comes out it comes out in theaters a month later and everybody loves it like i see scott giving it a four star and <laughs> people giving it dropping fives and fours and even like the three and a halfs and stuff and I'm just like, and my buddy from Madison went, so he's like, it was fun. I was like, I don't know what movie I watched. Um, I do think that it's like, because it's like two hours and like 20 minutes. Like, and Michael Bay tends to go crazy with length, but like, I thought it was way too long. If this was 30 minutes shorter, I might have liked it. People talk about Gyllenhaal being good in this. I thought it was terrible. And I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Sorry, Scott. But I love Jake Gyllenhaal, and I thought he was terrible. I think – I keep bringing up Scott's reviews today. I'm sorry. But he's the one that put this review. The, it's cashmere. I, th I just – I thought that <laughs> fucking bad in the movie. And he's one of my favorite actors. We don't stop. <laughs> yeah. I thought that uh, 
Yaya Abdul-Mateen was very good in the movie. I thought yeah. he was the best part of the movie. He was the highlight. And I like the action scenes and everything. It just like went on for way too long. And the I agree with uh, Garth. And again, this is maybe a personal thing, but sitting like eight rows back on an IMAX screen watching those drone shots, like I thought I was going to yak. Like I really did. Like it was too much. So knowing me... Let's be honest, I'm probably going to buy this on Blu-ray and watch it again. So I'll give it a shot. But I will comment. I'll be the first comment when you want to give that Blu-ray away, uh, Tim, in the Facebook group. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, Bowman, did you get a chance to see this? No, but I feel like I'd be the one guy that everyone gets mad at because I give it like two stars and then I feel bad. That's what That's I gave it. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably be there with you, Boatman. I haven't seen it yet, but like when it came out, I saw film Twitter like tripping all over themselves to put out the hot take of how great it was and what an auteur Michael Bay really is. And um, so that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth of it overall. Um, and I might see it out of curiosity, but Michael Bay, two and a half hours and overuse of drone shots really sounds like a bad combination for me personally. So I should probably avoid it. Uh, Scott. Give us the give well. Us I the personally point. think there weren't quite enough drone shots for my liking. So, <laughs> um, that's that's my take. But um, no, y'all are crazy. This movie was a blast. Uh, I just I love when a director just goes for it and like he just this is just Michael Bay just he's just doing whatever he wants. And so I love movies like this, like Malignant last year was another movie where James Wan was just like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, so I had a blast just watching the absolute bonkersness that is this movie. And Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is right on like the same level as Michael Bay's directing. And like, he is just like, his character is just like on crack this entire movie. And it is so entertaining to watch. So I mean, I, I joke. I, yeah, I, it's not for everyone for sure. It's so like hyperactive, but I thought it was a really great time. It certainly never bored me. He also like name drops like his own movies in this mm -hmm. movie. Oh like, yes, it's incredible. They reference it's, The Rock and the Rock, Bad yeah. Boys, and it's like, what do you do? He goes full Spike Lee. It's incredible. Yeah, he yeah. goes Spike Lee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Kirk, what is your pick? Okay, listen, guys. Um, I don't come on this show purposely with the intention of being the contrarian. No. I don't come on here every week to, to dump on the big blockbuster that everybody's high on. Um, the past oh, couple of times, it seems like that's been where I'm at. And I'm, if I'm, I'm going to be honest... I'm, I'm just typing it out. Hang my, on. Least fav my least favorite, focus on least favorite movie I watched this week was Top Gun Maverick. Got it. Um, now, preface this by saying I probably wouldn't, on my own, I wouldn't have gone to see this. Uh, Kathy, I have uh, uh, another uh, couple friends that we go, we go see all our movies with them pretty much. That's who we go to the movies with. And they really wanted to see this. They really want to see the IMAX. So we said, okay, we'll go. Um, I actively dislike the first Top Gun movie. Um, so I was not excited for this at all. Um, I will say it's much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be god awful. Um, I will say all the stuff in the air is fantastic. The, all the training stuff, the third act, the planes and the missiles flying over them. That stuff was great. Uh, everything on the ground, not so much. 
Um, I just felt like it had like a lot of the stuff that was wrong, in my opinion, with the first one, uh, the acting, the story, the characters, uh, just was it wasn't there for me. Um, I thought the the characters were. I just that kind of like every like here here are the bad guys don't like them because they're douchebags. Here are the good guys like them because they're douchebags. Um, I just I, I've never like it's not as bad as the Top Gun. They leveled a lot of that out. Took off, it took off a lot of that 80s cheese, but still has like that spirit of it, which is all stuff I don't like. Um, so if you guys, if everybody enjoyed it, if you went out and you watched it, you had a great time, that's awesome. I could see what you liked about it. Um, but for me personally, and I'm hearing people say like best picture, best actor, and yeah. that is completely ridiculous. Um, but it just overall, like I said, I gave it two and a half stars because there was stuff that was a lot of fun in it, but um, it just didn't do it for me overall. Um, I agree that like, so this was my, my favorite last week. I think I talked about this last week. Um, it's definitely like all of the things that you're saying about why you didn't like it. Like I get it like 100% totally understand, but, uh, is also part of the reason why I liked it. Like me and my, like, again, I said last week, a big reason why I liked this movie as much as I did was I saw it with my grandpa whose favorite movie is Top Gun. And that was just like a really, it was a special night for us to see this together. And I think that's going to be part of the reason why I like this movie as much as I do. I also don't really care for the first Top Gun. Like, I don't actively hate it, but I don't think it's very good. Um, but I definitely agree that the stuff in the air and everything is the best stuff in the movie. Um, and I agree with you as well that they do kind of do the... Um, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. This guy's a douchebag and this guy's good. And by the end, oh, they're going to be friends. And like, it does all that stuff. I just didn't mind it in this one because I was having such a good time at the movies. And I think it's going to, we'll see how it comes on uh, rewatches at home. Uh, that's always kind of the big, the big seller is like, does it, does it impact you the same way at home? Um, I think, I think this one, I just am going to have a lot of fun with. Uh, over and over again but um yeah i totally like when you when you posted your review i was like yeah i get it like i don't i don't blame kirk for not digging this as much as everybody else i agree though if there are people saying best picture best actor like calm down like get over it uh but uh the other thing i will say is i actually i really do like the uh, Maverick rooster relationship. I actually think they pulled that off pretty well. I think a lot of the other like side characters are pretty half baked. Like I think Jennifer Conley is stunning and very good in the movie, but they doesn't have a lot to do. Uh, Glenn Powell, I think is very, very good in the movie, but he doesn't have a lot to do other than be douchebag. Uh, and so I get it, but I, I like the movie a lot uh, despite some of those, little things so uh bowman you talked about this last week i believe but did you have anything to add well yeah i i guess for me i kind of disagree with, with both of you uh i i actually i i understand there are some like weaker elements of character but honestly i feel like the characters that actually get focus are really fun and well developed or at yeah. least if they're not well developed they get a lot i i disagree on glenn powell and hangman i think Hangman actually gets a full arc. He's not just a generic douchebag. I think they actually make him more than that. And I think Glenn Powell acts the heck out of it. I really like a lot of the side characters. Bob is a lot of fun. Rooster's a lot I of like fun. I, I, didn't, I didn't dis. I didn't. So let me rephrase. Well, I, didn't, I, 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 yeah, I didn't dislike any of the characters. 
I um, wasn't more necessarily referring to you in that aspect. I mean, I was more talking about what had both been said. But anyway, uh, I, I don't I guess, again, for me, I feel like I, I just disagree on the, the, the premise, I, I guess, that both of you are bringing. Because I, I felt that the acting and the characters was both well done on top of some, some well done action. Uh, so I, I thought all around this was a really solid blockbuster. Uh, Garth, have you gotten a chance to see it? Uh, no, I'm not able to get out to the theaters right now, and, and uh, so I haven't had a chance to see it. But I want to repeat my old uh, dad joke that uh, they messed up casting Miles Teller as Goose's son, or Miles Teller. I mean, uh, uh, they really should have cast Ryan Gosling because, I mean, come on, Gosling, <laughs> little goose. I like it. I like it. Uh, Scott. Uh, you know what I th- think about Kirk? He hates Dazed and Confused. He hates Everybody Wants Some. He hates Top Gun Maverick. Kirk hates to see dudes rocking on the big screen. That is what we are, we have learned from uh, his takes. Um, look, I don't know whether the movie, it, it probably is, you know, cliche or predictable or whatever, and the characters aren't, you know, super three-dimensional and the greatest characters ever. All I know is there's a moment during the final dogfight in the movie where I my, my fist literally pumped and like I was even controlling myself like I don't need, I never do that like in the theater <laughs> but like I literally could not help it uh, and to me that means the movie was a success also you have Tom Cruise who's my favorite actor just doing what he always does and um, it, it was it was just a great time at the cinema for me like it, you know is it high art maybe not but like as blockbusters go it's definitely one of the best in many years in my opinion no, I'd agree with that. I mean, I said in my review, uh, Tom Cruise, not only he runs twice in this film, he runs in an action setting, which I never thought I would see in this film. And he runs uh, in a shirtless football scene. So it's some good stuff. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Scott, why don't you tell us about your least favorite movie log this week? Yeah, I'm going to talk about another 2022 film, um, a little bit less high profile than uh, than Top Gun Maverick. This is a movie called Montana Story, um, and I went to see this movie for one reason only, and it was because it has Haley Lou Richardson in it, who's one of my favorite actresses. And sorry, Boatman. Um, and uh, yeah, this movie is just the definition of a there movie, which I, I believe is, is a term that gets thrown around, like. There's nothing particularly awful about it. There's nothing, there's certainly nothing particularly good about it. It is just two hours of dead air uh, for the most part. And it was disappointing because, like, I was hoping that, you know, at least Haley Lou Richardson's presence, because for me, for her as an actress, like, she is somebody who has such a unique thing where I think, like, her presence just like radiates this like warmth and energy. Like the second she walks on screen, like very few actors, actors or actresses do this. And like, you just immediately like her from the second she walks on screen. Well, they really put this to the test in this movie because her character is like the most mopey, sullen person. The movie is basically about the uh, stepbrother and stepsister who go back to their family's ranch in Montana because their father is like on in a coma and dying. And it's about them sort of coming to terms with their past and they haven't seen each other in a long time. And the father's actions when the father was cognizant, it's really slow. I mean, it's, it's nice to look at, 
but it's really slow in a way that like never really builds momentum. The emotional catharsis that they really want you to have at the end falls flat. Again, Haley Richardson, they really like put her in a hole with this role. I, she absolutely does the most with it. Owen Teague, I think is the name of the guy who plays her brother. He's also actually pretty good in the movie. Yes. Um, but there's just no, there's just nothing uh, to this movie. Like it, it was, it was pretty disappointing. Like I was at least hoping for like a solid three and a half star movie. Um, but it was disappointing because I want to see Haley the Richardson doing good projects. And she was in after Yang this year, obviously, which is one of the best movies from this year, but she has a pretty small role. It just feels like she hasn't had that breakout. Like some of her peers, like, you know, somebody like Anya Taylor joy or Jesse Buckley has had. Um, and I really want her to, but it's just not happening for her for whatever reason. It's not her talent because she's very talented, but this movie is just not, not that good. Yeah. I like her in pretty much everything I've seen her in. Um, obviously the big one that I think a lot of people first saw her in was edge of 17, but I think yeah. everything else I've seen her in so, or split. Maybe I don't remember which one came first. Maybe split came first, but and anyway, came first. Those 2017, right? Yeah. Split was 2017 oh, no, no. edge of, 17 2016 yeah okay there you go anyway uh i like her a lot uh but yeah i don't really want to see this now uh it was on my i think it's in my watch list right now just because like i had heard of it heard it was going to be kind of like a maybe a good little indie movie but yeah i don't know eh. uh boatman haven't seen it okay garth never even heard of it and kirk I'm finally finding out the name of this movie because I've seen the poster pop up everywhere on Letterboxd, but the text is so small that I never could see what the title was. <laughs> and I just actually clicked on it for the first time. So learn something new. Fair enough. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to my least favorite movie that I logged this week. And I've got a, I've got a couple contenders. Um, but I think it, 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 yeah, it's got to be this one. Okay, so now I got it. I had, I had a. We're gonna, we're gonna keep the streak alive, guys, uh, and I'm gonna tell the story uh, every time. So, uh, my brother-in-law Robert, he buys movies on my voodoo and uh, watches them for trivia purposes. Uh, I don't think I'm legally allowed to say where he uses this trivia knowledge, but uh, I believe it's somewhere in uh, Alabama. But uh, that being said, uh, he watches these movies and then he puts them on my voodoo. And then I go, well, something I, something was bought on my voodoo. I should probably watch it. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I talked about I Frankenstein uh, last week. What did I talk about? It was really bad, Boatman, whatever I talked about. It was a shitty. Oh, movie. you watched Heavy Metal. You watched yeah. Heavy Metal. Oh, <laughs> I was pissed. I was pissed. Uh, this week, I watched a... Uh, 2008 film. Surprised I had never seen it before, but here it is. The Spirit. <laughs> uh, this is this is so, so bad. And Okay, so Frank Miller uh, directed this. Uh, he, he's, done, he's done a lot of stuff I really like, uh, both in comics. And I, I like the first Sin City fine. Um, I actually liked the second one too. It, it's not nearly as good, but I, there's stuff in it that I like. Um, and, but I, I don't know. I've, it, this has such a big reputation that like, I was like, oh, it can't be nearly as bad as like everyone says it is. So the movie starts and I'm like, okay, 
this is bad but like come on guys but then he's like he's like fighting the octopus which is sam jackson and then there's like these like clones of this man who it's like this dumb guy and he, he keeps getting, he, they keep killing the clones. And then all of a sudden Scarlett Johansson shows up and is doing some weird shit. And then Eva Mendez is there and I'm just like watching the movie and I'm like, I just, what, I, I just don't know who was there that said, no, this is a good idea. We should do this. Oh, this is a great idea. Let's do this. Like, I just don't understand. Like even the visual style where it's kind of going off of what they did in Sin City, but just like 10 times worse. Everything is shot on a green screen. Everything looks absolutely terrible. The lead actor, whose name I don't know off the top of my head, he's fucking terrible. And he's going against people who are pretty good actors. And like, you would think that Sam Jackson is a guy who can kind of like make this like weird, stupid role, like the octopus, like that could be fun. No, it's just terrible. And uh, it's also like really overly like I don't I don't like talk about this stuff a lot. Like I don't, but like it gets really sexist, like really bad at some points, like super uncomfortable. Like the point is that like he's supposed to be like a player who like gets with lots of women, but there's some lines in here that I'm like, this is like a PG thirteen like comic book adaptation that like you're like marketing for like young people because it's pg-13 and like there's some there's some bad shit here i thought this was just absolutely fucking terrible uh it, it like exceeded every expectation of how bad it could be in my opinion so uh boatman have you ever seen the spirit no <laughs> garth yes uh and as an old guy who grew up uh reading the old uh, Will Eisner comics, uh, this bears little resemblance. Uh, I'm a huge Will Eisner fan. He's actually the first guy to coin uh, the term graphic novel uh, for Contract with God and, and other stuff. Uh, and that, that term gets thrown around a lot for things like Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns when they're, those are really just collected comics, not really graphic novels. But uh, anyways... I'm getting off track. Uh, so this movie, uh, yeah, no, does not uh, capture what the comics are uh, at all. It just is basically him converting it into a Sin City style uh, and not a fan. Kirk. I thought for a second I'd seen this, but then I realized I was thinking of The Shadow. Um that's, no, all, gonna, that's also on the list, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably a little bit better. It's not much, but maybe a little bit. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the character names. Silken Floss. Yep. Sans Serif. Yep. Plaster of Paris. That's classic. You also know it's a good sign when they, they hide the name of the movie on the poster. Like the poster says, My City Screams. And then the yep. spirit real small up top. So. Yeah, he talks a lot about the city. Like he'll be like, the city is my mother. She feeds me. She takes yeah. care of me at night. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, that's accurate, actually, because he, he basically he, he gets his shtick is that he dies over and over in the city, raises him back up to life. It's fucking wild. Uh, Scott. No. And having to watch movies like this for trivia is like, while I will never get into 
fandom or anything like, that. like it just makes me this sad sometimes when i will see like t- i know it's not but Don't like it, was, it is being watched for a geek trivia league That's and funny. it it uh it makes me sad sometimes when i see like tim or somebody has rewatched some movie and given it one star and then i go and i see that there's like eight times that they have watched this movie. <laughs> it's just all the one star reviews back to back and i'm like this can't be worth it like i'm sorry it can't it can when you get to watch some of your favorite movies but then yeah, i mean you, yeah. you question life sometimes uh yeah no i almost made my review for this like imagine having to watch this for trivia but then maggie told me no uh so anyway uh that's gonna do it for our least favorite uh of the week we are gonna move on to our list we're talking about third films in uh, a series so uh boatman why don't you kick us off what is your first pick for your third film in a series scott can I take it? No. <laughs> okay, I won't. Yeah, you can I'll... take it. I don't care. Well, I, uh, it's if you want to take it, you can take it. I'll. As long as I didn't think you would be the. I didn't honestly didn't think you would take it, but it, I, oh, you I, do you. You do you. I I I'll take it. It's before okay. midnight. Before midnight. Uh, lo- I I love the Before trilogy, and Before Midnight is probably my second favorite. Um, I think this one, just that argument, that like twenty minute argument in the hotel room, is just a fantastic scene. But the the whole movie is just filled with great dialogue and dilemmas and it's it's so well done even though it's again just like all of them basically just a series of conversations i love the before trilogy it's one of the greatest franchises of all time in my opinion because it's one of the best track records most consistent i i love before midnight it's fantastic uh i watched this trilogy for the first time late last year early this year i don't remember we i bought the criterion set and we watched them um i watching these with my spouse wasn't my was an uncomfortable experience at times i'll say that but at at the end of the day i'm glad we did it uh very 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 good movies i'm hit or miss on link later this is probably my favorite link well mm, no, I probably like this better than like everybody wants them and and uh, Days and Confused. But uh, yeah, big big fan of these. I I think I like the first one the best because it just feels the most like raw and real to me. I think the second, in my opinion, I know a lot of people love the second one. I think the second one's easily the worst, but it's still a, like a fantastic movie. I think it's still like, again, I think it's still a fantastic <laughs> movie. But it's like a four-star where I think the other two are five-star movies. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is my second as well. Really great pick. Didn't even cross my mind because I have only seen it the one time. But uh, excellent, excellent movie. Uh, Garth, have you seen these? Uh, no, I'm ashamed to say I, I've heard a lot of praise for these, but I have not watched the uh, Before Trilogy yet. Sorry, Peggy. Uh, Kirk? This is the one of the three that I have not seen yet. I see. I assume it's just the two of them continuing to not shut up. Yeah, and just blather blather on endlessly. They have some kids though this time. Oh, oh, great! I'm sure they get in on the nonstop chattering. Um, no, from what I hear, honestly, this is from what I read. This I, I don't like the first two. Um, 
I think that I would probably, you, you, Scott and uh, Boatman probably tell me, I feel like I would probably like this one the most of the three. Um, but uh, Criterion announced this for their link later retrospective, and they never put it on. So if, they, if it ever pops on there, I'll watch it. Okay. And Scott. I mean, yeah, I could go on for so long about how much I love these movies. I, I, it feels weird to say any of them are my favorite or least favorite. Like, I, I, would, I guess I would have to say this is my least favorite just because the argument and all that is so hard to watch. But it's the only way for this trilogy to end. Like, it would not have felt right if it ended with any other type of movie. Like, it has yeah. to go that direction. And of course, you can get into all the parallels and everything between the movies and the fact that before Sunrise starts out with the couple arguing on the train. And then by the time we come back around and before midnight, uh, they have become that couple. Um, and that's just, you know, one of the many, like, incredible parallels between the movies. Um, but, yeah, it's it, this is, to me, is the realest one. Um, like, it cannot, you know, you, you start to see that the, the fantasy of the, you know, spontaneous meetings that they have in these first two movies and, like, you know, casting all cares to the wind, you know, the, the second movie ending with Ethan Hawke going, I'm going to miss that plane and I don't care. He can just put his whole life on pause for this. It, that can't go on forever. And this has to become a real thing once they're now married. And the real life of it is not nearly as beautiful to look at as what you see in the first two movies. But like he says in that final scene, it's real. Um, and I think, you know, the movie ends with a perfect moment of catharsis. That is not like you, you're not like it, it's it's not a fantasy again. But it's also not like, wow, why did I just waste three, you know, three movies watching these characters only for them to end up in ruin? Like, it's it's a perfect way to end things that leaves you feeling satisfied and happy for them. Okay. Uh, Garth, why don't you hit us with your first pick? Uh, I'm going with a movie that's actually older than me. I'm going with the uh, third Bond, James Bond movie, uh, Goldfinger. Nice. Um it's actually still my favorite uh, Bond movie, uh, you know, even with all the ones over the decades. Um, I just find it a real nice flow to the movie, and Bork, uh Goldfinger is a great villain. Uh, the laser scene, you know, no, I expect you to die, and all that, a lot of classic scenes in this. Um, and, you know, Pussy Galore is one of my favorite uh you know, Bond girls, uh, you know, because she's this feminist lesbian who kind of is like, yeah, you're not for me. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's a well put together movie. It's a, it's got a heist and stuff uh, that turns out to not be a heist because he's like, he's not going to steal all the gold from Fort Knox. He's going to irradiate it. So the gold he already got is worth more. Uh, and I think that's a cool story idea. Uh, and as a fan of the old books and stuff, it's a good adaptation. Um, and like I said, so my favorite Bond movie. Kirk, what do you think about Goldfinger? Um, I think it's really good. Um, I think, and again, it's it's been a while since I've watched. Um, a couple years ago, I went through and watched them all. It's been a while, so those first couple kind of blend together in my head. Um, but from what, I, from what I can remember, this is kind of where I, I feel like Connery hits a stride. 
Um, I do think Goldfinger is a great villain. Uh, the, the plot's great. I think Odd Job is probably one of the best all-time like secondary henchman villains. Um, and yeah, it's good like '60s fun cool Bond. Uh, Scott. Yeah, this is probably the best Connery. Definitely, this is definitely my, my favorite Connery Bond movie. Um, you know, it's just got a lot of memorable stuff in it. I'm not a huge fan of the Bond movies as a whole, but. And this is definitely one of the ones that I would go back to. Also, my favorite character is the random old lady who just like pulls out a machine gun and starts gunning at, at them and that outpost in that one scene. No explanation of who she is or why she has a machine gun, but pretty great uh, gag. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. I agree. I also think this is the best of the Connery films. Um, I think From Russia With Love is a close second, but I, I like this one quite a bit. Um, or, or I like this one quite a bit. And I think that uh, th there are some, like, with every Bond movie, like, has stuff I like about it and has stuff I hate about it. It's 1964. Like, it, there's very inexcusable things in this movie. Um, it, within, like, the first, like, two minutes that the first time I saw this, I was like, man, I am going to hate this movie. And never has, like, a movie done a 180 for me like within the first five minutes he literally like a, one of the girls comes up to him and is like hey like what are you talking about he's talking with uh felix and and he's like oh just man talk and like slaps her ass and she walks away and i'm like holy shit this is terrible and then the movie like totally won me back by the end of it i think it's really fun um i love the end of the film i agree odd job is a great great uh henchman character um i think it's just it's super fun i love the golf scene randomly it's like super fun uh i think it's fantastic uh so again i'm not the biggest james bond fan either the ones i like i really like the ones i hate i hate 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 so this rank this is definitely a uh yeah no this is top this is maybe my six Maybe my sixth favorite Bond film, if I had to go off the top of my head. But uh, Boatman. Yeah, I would say this is this is the first like true Bond movie. Like Doctor No and From Russia with Love, you can kind of tell they're kind of figuring out what a Bond movie is. This is the first like actual Bond movie. Uh, I prefer From Russia with Love because that's more like, hey, what if we made Bond like a Hitchcock thriller? But I totally get why Goldfinger is like a lot of people's favorite uh, Bond movie because this is this is probably like the best pure Bond movie, like movie that is just like Bond, no you know uh, additions to the formula, no twists, just pure one hundred percent Bond, and this is the best of that ilk. You know what I just realized. I have been friends with Caleb Boatman for a very long time, but Caleb Boatman's favorite of anything will be prefaced with this is that, but doing it like a Hitchcockian thing. So like from Russia with love, or he'll be like my favorite Harry Potter movie is, is prisoner of Azkaban because it's like a, it's like a, like fast times at Ridgemont high style Potter. Like he, you always not, not how I describe not that movie. I'm just saying like, you well, always no, the thing. The thing. Actually, yeah. no, that is absolutely true. My favorite movie in any franchise is where you basically preface it with 
it's like this, but make it this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. It's Harry Potter, but make it paranoia thriller. <laughs> it's Star Wars, but make it generational uh, trauma. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Kirk, why don't we go to you? What's your uh, your pick? Okay. Um, I'll stand. I'll stay on brand for my first pick. I'm going to go with Godfather Part 3. Um, this is a movie. I'm not going to pretend like this is an original thought of mine because I feel like a lot of people are coming around on this movie. And ultimately, the greatest sin of this movie is that it's not one of the t- best five or ten movies ever made like the first two are. So, you know, with that baggage, yeah, it looks pretty rough. But I think this movie has a lot of good. And it, there's like it came up in a in a corner of the uh, of the community a few weeks ago, you know, where people were like, you know, they talk discussing the merits of the Godfather trilogy, and a lot of people were literally saying, well, I've never seen Godfather three, but based on its reputation, you know, so people haven't even seen it. They just, oh, it's bad, um, and it's obviously the worst of three, and obviously it's not perfect. There's a lot of bad, th- you know, it has a lot of things going against it. Um, Sofia Coppola is not good. Um, obviously, but she is, um, you know, she was last minute replacement is supposed to be Winona Ryder. And then I think there was another actress who, if, um, I'm not mistaken, there's another actress like died last minute, like before they started filming that cast. So she was brought in. I don't think she wants to be there. And I think her performance is a statement that she doesn't want to be there. And it adds like this kind of like meta level to the movie of the child being sucked unwillingly into the family business. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, you know, interesting there. Uh, but for every Sofia Coppola, you have a Andy Garcia, you have Eli Wallach, you have Joe Montana, you have a lot of great new additions to the story. Um, Telia Shire is amazing at this. They give her so much heavy lifting to do, and she just takes the ball and runs with it. That, to me, this is her movie. And what she does with Connie in this movie makes Connie one of the most interesting characters in the entire trilogy. Um, and I just think that the plot is interesting where you have like the Vatican, like corrupt, you know, pockets of the Vatican, that are working with the mafia. Um, and I honestly think if this movie, if you took this movie away from it, made it its own standalone film about an aging mobster, uh, trying to get out, getting pulled back in and he's, you know, gets sucked in, mixed up with the Vatican. I think this movie would be like, you you still have the Puzo script. You still have uh, Coppola directing. I think this movie would be pretty highly regarded if it didn't have, if it wasn't standing in the shadow of, like I said, two of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, Scott, what's your take on this one? I've only seen it one time, and it's been years, but I did not think it was bad when I saw it. I mean, I, I liked I liked the movie. It, it would, I've probably given it three and a half or four stars or something from my memory. Um, I think I agree with everything you know Kirk's saying from my memory. Um, I do want to go back and watch it. I want to watch the new Coppola cut or whatever that they came out with like a year ago. Um, Cause you know, I, I didn't get around to seeing it when they released it in theaters for a minute, but um, yeah, it's, it's a good movie from my memory. I also think it gets way too much hate. Kirk, have you seen the, the Coda version? This new I movie? have not yet, but I heard there's not that much changed. Okay. So my thing is um, I've also only seen this once. I saw this when I first watched the trilogy and um, and I didn't hate it. I thought it was a big step down, but I agree with pretty much everything Kirk had to say that you still have really great stuff in here. Um, and people, you know, like to say that it's like one of the worst movies ever. But like, have you have you seen some other movies? Have you seen The Spirit? Like, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, anyway, but um they released the trilogy on 4K earlier this year, 
And uh, I watched the first one promptly as soon as the box set came up. Maggie said, ooh, I would like to watch those with you. I said, great. So we watched the first one, and we have yet to watch the second two. It's been three months. I've been waiting. Um, I think she took the dog out, so she can't hear me making these complaints. Uh, But my point with the Coda thing was it came with both versions. So I think I'm going to watch the the original one first and then watch the coda version but also if it doesn't change that much like i don't know uh so yeah i like the movie fine it's not one of my favorites but i don't think it's a bad movie by any means uh bowman uh i have actually never seen the godfather three wow uh okay uh garth i totally agree with kirk that it's only considered bad in the shadow of the first two because those are so brilliant uh, that to live up to those would have been difficult no matter what. And that if this was a standalone that had nothing to do with the other two, it would be high, high, in higher regard. Uh, it's not a horrible movie. There are horrible st- things in it, like Sofia Coppola's performance. Uh, but but overall, it's, it's not a bad movie. Okay. Uh, Scott, why don't you hit us with your first pick? All right, this might be controversial, but I'm picking The Dark Knight Rises. Actually? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. I think this movie is on the same level as the other two. Like, this is my second favorite trilogy um, after the before trilogy. Um, this movie is epic. It is, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan wisely, I think, did something very different from the dark Knight because how do you follow the dark Knight? I mean, how do you follow the greatest comic book film of all time? Um, you don't, and he doesn't try to, and, he, uh, Tom Hardy does not try to either as Bane. He, like, he can't, you know, you can't follow Heath Ledger's Joker. So he does something completely new. Um, and I personally love his take. I think he's a very menacing villain in a different way, in a completely different way than the Joker was. You know, Christopher Nolan also, he gets, his his movies are way too humorless, but when he actually tries to do some humor, it you, it kind of works. Like, Bane is funny at some parts of this movie. I mean, the opening scene of, like, why would you shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane? Is I mean, that is legitimately hilarious. Um, and I just have a great time with this movie, um, I think. And Hathaway is a really great Catwoman. I think the chemistry that, that that she has with Christian Bale is pretty fire. Like, I don't know. I think people always talk about Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, who I think is really good as well as Catwoman. And now, you know, we have Zoe Kravitz, who is, is solid. I feel like Anne Hathaway gets lost in the mix a bit. But um, for a director in Nolan who oftentimes struggles with female characters, I think she's one of the stronger ones that um he has had in a film and i you know i really like how the movie builds the like the third act is really good obviously the scene with with uh bruce getting out of the, the underground prison is you know amazing like even if you don't like the movie like you have to enjoy that scene i mean that's just an incredible scene um and then you know some people complain about like what happens at the end of like oh well you know he never would have survived blah blah it's a freaking Batman movie. Come on guys. Like they give you a a wonderful, happy ending. Like the, the Chekhov's gun that pays off like early on, you know, he tells a story about, uh, you know, someday I'll be in the cafe and I'll see you there. And the way it pays off at the end, I, you know, I still remember watching it in the theater. And like when it just cut to black, I was like, 
that was incredible. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't understand why this movie gets the hate that it does. It, it's probably a little long, you know, some of the cop stuff has aged weirdly, I know, but like, there's so much to love about this movie. And I think in terms of bringing the trilogy to a satisfying conclusion, like it is thoroughly, it is a thoroughly satisfying movie to me, even if it does have some flaws. So I love this movie. Uh, yeah, I I love this movie. Uh, I I am so shocked. I did. I I never thought you would have pulled this out, Scott. I love it. Uh, this is this is one of my one of my favorite DC movies. I love both of the the first ones more. I think that Batman Begins is my personal favorite of the trilogy. Then the Dark Knight. Then this. But that doesn't mean that I dislike this movie at all. I think it's great. Uh, I saw this movie in the theater a lot because I had just such a great time watching this. Uh, I, I remember seeing it for the first time and uh, we went and saw it at midnight and the theater that we saw it at uh, had a restaurant like attached to it. And so we got there at like 10 o'clock at night, got pizzas uh, and, and drinks and then and, and everything and having a great time. And then we walked out into the lobby and I remember looking up at the marquee and it was a theater that had 11 auditoriums and all 11 auditoriums were playing the dark Knight Rises <laughs> at midnight. So it was like the screen we were on was like 1201 and then theater two, 1202, 1203, 1204, just on. And it was amazing. Uh, and I just, I, I love this movie. Every time I watch it, I get super, super engrossed in it. I also like it. it I also though kind of agree with like, most of the complaints, like a lot of the complaints people have for it, like I get it. It's definitely one of those movies where it's like, hey, like it doesn't work for you. Like I kind of get it, but it works for me so much. Like I love Bane. Um, I, I think Tom Hardy's great in the movie. Um, I really like uh, Bruce and Alfred's relationship in this movie. I think that's really great. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a little extra. I, I like him a lot as an actor in general. So like him being a little bit extra doesn't really bother me, but I admit like there's a couple moments where he's, he's going a little ham. Uh, but overall, I think Matthew Modine also very good in this movie, underrated performance from him. Uh, I don't give a shit that Batman doesn't come in until like 48 minutes into the movie. I think, I think it's, I think it's a blast. I think that that bike chase when he comes in is so fucking good. And honestly, no lie. This is my least favorite of the trilogy, but it has my favorite scene in the trilogy. The first time Batman and Bane fight is my favorite scene in the entire trilogy. It has some of my favorite dialogue in the whole series. It, it's my favorite scene of the whole trilogy with the, uh, uh, with the, um, oh, you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. <laughs> I love it. It's fucking great. Love this movie. Uh, man. Yeah. Spread the Dark Knight Rises love. Uh, Boatman, your take. I think that this is a movie that, while admittedly I think it's a little overstuffed, the stuff that is good is really good. I really like Bale in this. I, I think, honestly, from a performance perspective, this might actually be his best performance in the trilogy. I think he's really good in this. I think that Bane is so much fun. Bane's a great villain. And I, I really like Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I, I think she's fantastic here. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a little long. 
it's it's a little overstuffed. Marion Cotillard is eh. The stuff that's good is really good, so I can forgive the stuff that isn't. Uh, Garth? Uh, yeah, let me start off with what I loved. Uh, Anne Hathaway cast as Catwoman was great. And as an old man, I loved that it had touches of the old uh, Batman 66 movie. Uh, you got Catwoman and Robin, and then you got Batman trying to dispose of a bomb in the ocean, and it explodes, and he's presumed dead for a minute. So, uh... <laughs> You know, I, I was like, oh, it's the same scene. It's that him running with the bomb on the docks. Uh, but but for me, they're, they're, the bad part was uh, some of the big plot holes are, like, so big that I was like, really? All the cops in the sewers for months? There's no manholes. How do they feed? And then when they finally get released, they're actually clean-shaven, like, what they had like shavers down there <laughs> you know it's like you know what's going on here uh so yeah that that was a little uh that was a big issue for me was that plot hole uh and stuff with how the bomb like had this timer and this you know like but but overall it's still a good movie and you know as similar with uh godfather uh part three uh, even though I think it's the least of the trilogy, it's still an amazing trilogy. So, Real quick about the quote that Michael mentioned. I love that moment in that quote, but I kind of hate that Gordon then just goes, Bruce Wayne? I'm like, we know, man. <laughs> like, you don't need to say it. We get it. <laughs> uh, Kurt, we figured it out. Um, this movie has amazing filming locations. Uh, definitely the best <laughs> locations for any Batman movie. Uh, Heinz Ward is great in it. The man outruns an explosion, Tim, for the touchdown. Yeah. Um, definitely the highlight for me. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm not a big fan of this one. Uh, first of all, they cast just a handful of actors that I'm a big fan of, especially Tom Hardy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, Tom Hardy does his over-the-top look-at-me act thing. You know, just like the mustache trolling from Bane just doesn't do it for me. I'm just not a fan. I mean, if they had put another actor in that role for uh, of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I, might have, I don't know if I would have liked it more. Um, but just I just don't like him. And just like the whole thing, like, uh, you know, I figured it out by, you know, look at your eye or whatever. You're an orphan, too, so I know you're Batman. That was just really dumb. Yeah, I think they just make they, is, make they make Batman just dumb in this. Like, how he doesn't, like, how Catwoman's able to get away with the thing she does at the beginning with the safe. And, like, how they're able to still, like, Batman just kind of looks like an idiot. And he's never gets to be the hero. Like, everybody else gets to be the hero of this but Batman. It's like... Gordon gets to be the hero. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets to be the hero. Catwoman, uh, the Special Forces guy, Matthew Booty, like everybody gets their moment to shine except Batman. Um, and I feel like, I mean, like there is a lot of stuff to nitpick. But my biggest problem is, like uh, Scott mentioned, the the city of the cafe. Like if they killed Batman off, I'd be like, okay, that's that's a cool ending to this. But you see him in that cafe at the end, and it's oh, that's a cool moment. You know, he has that moment with Alfred, and you know. But if you think about it for five seconds, Bruce Wayne has lost his entire fortune at this point. He's living with cat. He's traveling with Catwoman. Catwoman, career criminal. So Batman, who had de dedicated an entire life to justice and the prevention of crime, is now living off of stolen money. And so that's just a big problem that I could get over. Here's so. the problem, Kirk. You thought about it. That's where. That's where you. Were <laughs> I, I think about. I don't think about that, it. Just feel it. I think about things. I I can't help it. And I prefer the theory that it might not have been real. 
the the, the, he, the scene he, the scene with Alfred at the grave was was good. That that's that's the part that got that really got to me. Is it is it my pick next? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do somebody else's pick real quick, and then so why don't uh, but and Bowman's gone to Garth. Let's talk about your pick. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, for my second pick, uh, I'm going with something that like is not technically the third in the uh, ordering of the movies, but is the third in the release of the movies. I'm going with uh, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Uh, and it's, you know, out of, out of the trilogy, you know, the original trilogy, uh, it was a great way to end the and end it. And uh, I'm the old guy that saw this in theaters and saw the original version, and I hate that they threw in all sorts of new CGI and changed endings and you know, Jedi rocks is the worst abomination, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I, I really, you know, fans want it. You know, everyone wants it. Come on, just release the original trilogy in original format on on HD Blu-ray and all that. Uh, but uh, it's one of my favorites, um, and. And my my ordering of Star Wars movies is actually the first three or the or my top three, so uh, I love this movie. Okay, sorry, I had to take a call. Uh, but yes, I love this movie. This is uh, this is probably my fourth favorite Star Wars film if I had to think about it. Maybe third, either three or four. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I actually have back in like. 2005 or 2004 they did a dvd release of the original theatrical cuts i still have those and uh i i I hold on to them dearly uh because i am a physical media type of guy and it is a way that i can watch those movies on a disc uh so not the best quality in the world but it's better uh than um not having them at all and this is the most egregious of the special editions for sure Um, I think that the stuff they add into A New Hope is, like, not great, but also, like, the Jabba scene is, it looks like shit, but, like, I like the fact that, like, Han is talking to Jabba on Mos Eisley. I think that's cool. Uh, But the stuff in here, the the band and the fucking kill me. Like, I fast forward through that shit every time I watch the 4K Blu-ray. It's just god awful. But the movie itself, love it. We were talking about last week yes someone brought up revenge of the sith last week and they were talking about how the mustafar scene is the best lightsaber duel in star wars i'm sorry i disagree i think it's in this movie vader versus luke i think is the best lightsaber fight in a star wars movie it has the most emotion um i think it is just like one of the best scenes in star wars in general so uh there are quite not quite a few there are a few star wars movies i like more than this but i do love this movie so great pick bowman yeah uh this is this is probably my it goes back and forth for me between return of the jedi and a new hope for what my least favorite of the original trilogy is right now i'm on the a new hope is better train so return of the jedi is probably my least favorite of the three but it's still good i think the, the stuff in Jabba's palace is really fun. 
I think that Leia is um, probably the best she is in the trilogy here. I think that Luke is probably the best he is in the trilogy here. I think that all the stuff with Luke and Vader and Palpatine is fantastic. It gets dragged on a lot, so I don't want to pick on the Ewoks, but really just all the stuff on Endor I don't really care about. Like, I'm I'm very, like, eh on. The, the, the stuff in the actual Death Star is great, though. So I, I think this is probably the, the one the higher highs but low lows for me, but the highs definitely outweigh the lows. Okay. Uh, Kirk? Uh, yeah, I like Return of the Jedi. Um, it's my third favorite of the original trilogy, but it's also my third favorite Star Wars movie, so it's still pretty highly ranked. Um, and um, I have the same DVDs you do, Tim. I cracked that out and showed it to my kids, I think, about a year or so ago. And, yeah, it's just so much better. I hadn't seen it so long. That way I forgot about just how how great that job. I mean, a lot of people like Saigon Jogger's Palace just because it's uh, like it's a, kind of a different – just a little thing before the movie starts. I don't know why that's a problem. Um, but, uh, I think it looks great. All those like practical puppets and, you know, and, and you know, just, I'll take Snice Doodles and Max Rebo band and it's, it's, that's perfect. Um, you know, the, the, the rancor and everything. Um, and I also agree with you, Tim. I think that this is the best, uh, that's the best lightsaber fight by far, just the emotional stakes and, you know, just the, how they keep coming back to it. And I think my favorite moment in the, in the saga is, you know, you you failed your highness. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Uh, just a perfect, you know, just one line to wrap up Luke's arc. And it's it's so good. Um, so, no, I think it's a very solid pick here for, for third uh, third installments. I believe you uh, actually debated that that was the best uh, lightsaber fight. I did, and somehow I lost. Tanika. Did you lose that one? I did. He get, I, I guess all the judges were UFC fans because he kept talking about UFC and that one hey i was there and I don't know. he brought <laughs> up, be... he brought up the lego game i remember that <laughs> he was like uh the mustafar fight in the lego game is better so mine's better and i remember being the judge and going like i'm sorry what? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway uh scott return of the jedi yeah great movie um i think like the first hour before they get to indoor is like maybe the best hour in a star wars movie like i just love everything that's happening there then they get to Endor. The ending's obviously really good. I just think that middle section has a little bit of, you know, childish stuff that's happening. Um, that is not my favorite um, part, but it's still one of the better Star Wars movies for sure. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to go ahead and go back to me for my first pick. Uh, I'm going to do the classic Tim choice, Turn of the King. Uh, this is my... I go back and forth, but honestly, it's probably my second favorite movie of all time. If I, it, it, it's creeping up as the years go on. Um, I love this movie. I love this trilogy, but uh, this one has recently become my favorite in the trilogy. I always said it was Fellowship, uh, but then I don't know something happened last year where um, just watching this, I was like, "Yep, nope, it's this one." Um, I, I, again, I just, I just don't get a lot of the complaints and like, there are people and honestly, Kirk, you're not one of them. So like, don't think I'm not trying to throw any shade at you. Cause I know you've talked about these movies before on YLS and stuff, but to me, it's like, there are people who watch them and say, ah, I didn't really dig that. That wasn't for me. Like, cool. 
And then there are people I know that like actively do, and they're not even people in this community. They're just like people I've grown up with or stuff that actively do not watch the movies and they go, Oh, I hear it's just three hours of walking. Like you haven't seen the movie motherfucker. Like how would you know? Uh, So I don't know to me, like all of the payoff in this, I just absolutely love Um, it's, I, I think the ending is really like again endings, but like I think all the emotional payoff is so so good from the moment they hit Mount Doom all the way to the end. I think it's all fantastic. Um, I, I I would not say that uh, there are any actors here who deserved like Oscar wins <laughs> or are or are uh, in the top like fifty performances of all time, but uh, I, I love the movie. I love every everything about the movie pretty much from beginning to end. Um, it, it, it's, it's a perfect movie. It's a perfect trilogy in my eyes, but this, I, I, I see, I seriously get choked up every single time at the end of this movie. I, I fucking love it. So, uh, Bowman. Sorry to not realize I'm mute. I was muted. Uh, yeah, look, it's not cause of Twitter. But it's a little bit because of Twitter. Because now I will never, I will never be able to enjoy this movie ever again. Uh, but I, let me make a freaking joke, Tim. Calm down. Like what? I, like uh, come on. Like yes, I'm joking. Okay. I never. Though I will say, I never loved this one. This was always the, my least favorite. This was always my least favorite. Fellowship and Two Towers, I think, are fantastic movies. Two Towers being my favorite. Um, but I this one always just felt too bloated, is my biggest problem. It always felt too bloated. Okay, uh, Garth? Uh, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, of the trilogy, I'd have to say Two Towers is my favorite. But, uh, you know, it's a great, you know, it's a great trilogy altogether. And, uh, is a nice way to end things, uh, and with with uh, many endings. Uh, I joke. Uh, Kirk. Um, yeah, we've talked about this. Uh, I I just I absolutely respect everybody's love for this movie. I would never say anything like super negative about. I mean, I have nitpicks, but I'd never say anything negative or bad about these movies. This one of the three is probably my favorite. If you had a, held a gun to my head. Um, I love the Battle of Terranoth, that whole Terranoth, that's the city they're fighting, right? They got that right? The... Uh, Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith, yeah. Um, there, I love that battle where they're, you know, with, with when, you know, they're, the, 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 the catapults, the tribuches launch, and then when they bring the trolls in, they're just, you know, sieging the city. Um, I think those parts are great. Um, I think the battles at the end are really good. Uh, like I said, my, my one nitpick of this movie, the trilogy in general, but this movie specifically, is how everybody's constantly preparing for certain death like yeah we're definitely going to die here and nobody ever dies um but again that's that's a minor nitpick um again like my my the main reason i think i don't connect these movies but if i was te- if this had come out when i was 10 or 15 years younger i'd probably have a much more of a stronger connection to it um but this is i mean i think it's a great wrap up to the uh story and i will say i think there's if you've read the books which i'm sure most of you have um there's a like a epilogue at the end back at the shire um that i think is very wisely cut out of this of the movie yeah. i think it, it, it kind of when you, when you get to that part in the book you're like what's happening um yeah. so i think that i think they even though the ending does drag they actually do cut it back and i think it's it's a it's a smart smart choice uh scott 
Um, it is well known that I'm not a Middle Earth fan, so I will just say, good pick, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Okay. Uh, Scott, we need, let's go to you next, because uh, it sounds like you might have to leave us early, sadly, but why don't we get a pick? Yeah, sorry. I had something come up. I will have to leave after this, but I do want to get my final pick in and mention a movie that probably no one has seen here, but um, I'm picking uh, Three Colors Red. Uh, This is the uh, final film in a trilogy, the Three Colors trilogy by um, Krzysztof Kieslowski, who's a Polish filmmaker. Um, And this, uh, I love the whole trilogy. Uh, This movie in particular is probably the best it's the third movie and it's uh, the best of the three movies. If you just like look at the movies, you know, generally you might think, well, these aren't really connected. Um, you don't need to watch them in order. And that's kind of true, but also I took a long break between watching blue and white and then watching red. And I regretted that I did because there is some connection. That's all I will say. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, but there is some connection. So I do think it's better if you watch the movies in order, blue being the first, white being the second, red being um, the third. And the idea is these are the three colors of the French flag. All the films are in France and each color represents a different stripe of the French flag and a different value, basically. And the red stripe is fraternity. So this movie is on some level, at least about friendship. And it's a friendship that forms between this, uh, woman who finds a lost dog and returns it to its owner who is this old man and she discovers that the old man is like listening into the neighbor's phone conversations and he has all this surveillance equipment in his house and at first she's like repulsed by it but then she ends up like being drawn in and they form this unlikely friendship Um, but there's a lot going on in the background as well there's also the story of this couple that they're listening in on that becomes part of the movie too and like i said if you've watched the whole trilogy especially the third act i think takes on a whole new meaning and there's there's just a lot of layers to what kieslowski is doing it makes you want to go back and watch all the other films so i really recommend the entire trilogy but this movie in particular um watch it after you've watched the other three because or the other two because um it's you know, the, like I said, the payoff is really spectacular. Um, and I think all three movies have their virtue, but virtues, but this is definitely the best um, of the three. So check out the three colors. Uh, I have not seen any of these, but uh, the only thing I know about them is what I have seen on your letterbox. Sir. So that was the first time I'd heard of them. So uh, Bowman, have you seen this? No. Okay. Uh, Garth. Uh, yeah, I, I watched the Colors Trilogy uh, back in the 90s. I mean, but it's been like over 30 years, so I don't remember much. But I do remember I loved it. Uh, so I probably should revisit these because um, it's been so long. I think they're all on HBO Max still. Okay, cool. I think. Uh, Kirk? Uh, no, I have all three of them are on my watch list, but I've not gotten around to them yet. Okay. Well, Scott, uh, you got to run? And- Real, yeah, real quick, before I go, I just want to say I love Contact, which is the movie of the month. It was one of my first five movies out of my um, top 100. It might be in there now, but I think it's a beautiful movie about, you know, the intersection of religion and sci-fi. And um, I love the 
hopeful message that it sends at the end of the movie. So I hope everyone watches it and enjoys it. I'm glad that I'm for once, I'm actually happy about the movie that won the poll. So um, enjoy contact. And thanks for having me, everybody. Yeah. Thanks Scott. We'll see you later. Uh, Bye, guys. Okay. Right. So we got Garth's. So Bowman, we need your second pick. My second pick. I'm surprised no one has taken it. Indiana Jones in the last crusade. That was going to be my next. That pick. was my next. No, right there. I uh, thought Kirk was going to take it too, to be honest. So, yeah. I was, my that was my like. I've talked about it in this show a lot, so I won't talk about it super long. But man, is this just a perfect blend of action, comedy, making it a buddy movie, and bringing in Henry Jones is so good. Like, oh man. And I love that this is more of a crew, right? It's a little bit more of a crew around Indy than you know the other ones like there's an actual crew he's got a team here and i like that uh like there are so many great sequences i love all the puzzles towards the end this one rocks i love this one. yeah i feel like we just talked about this on this show recently i don't remember Action what comedy yeah that probably would have been it uh it's a great movie it's my favorite indiana jones movie um i think that yeah uh bringing sean connery in is is a great addition it just and again I, I like all of them i like temple of doom as well uh so i like all three of the films but this this one's definitely my favorite kirk yeah this would have been my next pick as well definitely um it is the uh, raiders is still my favorite because i think raiders is a little more rough around the edges and i like that this one's like maybe like 10 percent more disney-fied which isn't a bad thing but i like i, I mean raiders is my top 10 uh Crusades probably in my top 25 or 30. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're not that far off. Um, but, yeah, I love just the bringing Henry Jones and just not how great Sean Connery is, but also how it gives you a deeper glimpse into Indiana Jones' character and who he is because you always kind of get the sense throughout these movies that he's faking it. And I think, like, Sean, uh, his dad, just that character just kind of, like, pokes at that. And kind of pokes holes at this persona he's built for himself. And I love to kind of see that crumble. And they just go back to formula. Like, whatever, you know, they're in the desert looking for a biblical artifact. They bring, bring back Sala. They bring back Brody like uh, Cody or like a, a Boatman or was saying that he has that crew around him. And I think Boatman brought this up on Twitter or shared some on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Uh, that scene where, you know, they've been captured. They're talking about going to get Brody. And he's like, you know, he speaks 10 languages. He, know, he knows everybody <laughs> at every outpost. And smash cut to him just sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, just one of the most beautiful moments. And again, it just encapsulates everything that trilogy is about. Um, just like I said, just like kind of like just faking it till you make it. Um, and yeah, it's it's everything in the third act, you know, going for the grill is great. You know, he chose poorly. Um, again, great special effects rivaling what happens with their arc in, uh, in, in Raiders. Um, so yeah, like, like I said, it's my second favorite, but it's a close second. Garth. Uh, yeah, this was actually like I was debating between this or Return of the Jedi. They were very neck and neck. And I just went to Return of the Jedi because it holds more in my heart. But this is a brilliant movie. And uh, I also love the not only the addition of Sean Connery, my favorite actor, but uh, I love the young Indiana Jones stuff with River Phoenix where it's like, Okay, here's where he gets his fierce snakes. Here's where he first uses a bullet. Here's where he gets his hat. You know, like, you know, sometimes that can be corny stuff, you know, like in Solo. But uh, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, 
for me, I, you know, all the, all the background stuff, you know, like Perk said, where uh, the father kind of deconstructs and takes away some of the mystery of Indy where it's like, you know, we're named a dog. I don't know, you know, uh, and, and oh. stuff like that kind of like takes them to, and then the fact that they slept with the same uh, sexy Nazi woman and, you know, <laughs> stuff like, you know, uh, it's, it's got a lot, a lot to love. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so we already got Garth's second pick. So Kirk, why don't we go to you for your second pick? Oh, okay. Um, I'm debating between two. Um, I'm going to pick one that's probably the lesser movie, but doesn't get nearly as much love as the other pick does. Um, again, this is another one that is not liked, but is better than its reputation. I'm going to go with X-Men The Last Stand. Um, this is a movie, again, first X-Men, great. Second X-Men, great. This one, not as great, but I think it has a lot of really good things going for it. Um, I think you have some great additions. I think Kelsey Grammer is great as Beast. Um, he is, I think he, I really like Nightcrawler in uh, in X2, but he might be like the best new cast uh, team member in the whole trilogy. Um, I think just bringing him in as a representation of like the earlier generations that you don't like to see in the, uh, in the, in the movies uh, is really cool. Um, I think Ian McKellen is doing his best work as Magneto in this. And I just love how they give him that opportunity. I love the storyline. The storyline with the cure is like a lot of people don't like it, but it's very much an X-Men comic book storyline, uh, the mm -hmm. kind of st story they would have. And I love how Magneto is like, you know, he, he, he's pretending that like, oh, this is so horrible, but you know, he loves it because it's playing right in his hands and he gets to, you know, radicalize all these mutants. I love that scene in the, in the, in the uh, auditorium with the meeting where he had the meetings, like no one ever talks about it. They just do it. Like, and he just comes in and like, he just captures that whole crowd. I think it's so great. Um, and that final fight, I think that's the best team X-Men fight in the X-Men movies. I think that you, you don't get, uh, X-Men team a fight that feels like they're fighting like a team like you do in that final fight on, on Alcatraz. Um, I think it feels the most like, you know, when you watch like the 90s cartoon, that's what it feels like you're watching. Um, and I also like what they do with Logan here. I think Logan gets a um, nice little bow on his arc for the, um, you know, for this this part of the, of the story anyway. You know, him becoming the leader, him, him, you know, it was all about him, like, you know, being on his own and everything. He, he becomes a team leader and him, you know, standing up and being <laughs> and being the uh uh you know and and you know do you know making the sacrifice with gene and everything so yeah i think that i i always enjoy this movie man this is a great sick day movie for me if i'm not feeling too well, i just want something to veg out on this is the movie i throw on i really like it bucky disapproves <laughs> uh, bucky is looking into the camera with shame right bucky <laughs> no i okay so actually there are things that you said that i i, I do agree with a lot I think that Logan does get a good end to his arc. I, I like um, kind of where he ends up. I don't like how we got there. Um, I, I don't, they, I think they've, they ruined the dark Phoenix thing. Um, granted they've ruined it twice, but I just, I wish there was a way to get him to that emotional spot without having to bring back Bamke Jensen as Jean Grey. I think she's just bad in this movie. Um, I agree. I love Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Uh, when he shows up at the end of Days of Future Past, I was hyped because he's a great part of this movie. Uh, but I think an actor that I really love that I think is given nothing to do here and is terrible and the character's terrible is Ben Foster. I think he's really bad in the movie. I don't love the Alcatraz uh, 
stuff it's filled with like really cheesy lines from like kitty pride and and vinnie jones as juggernaut like i just am not about it and i just i still i i i like some of the stuff that you were saying about magneto i i do enjoy the moment that that exact line the nobody ever asks they just do it when he walks it is, is great and the, the moments like that i really like what what I don't like is the pawns send out the pawns first and stuff like that. That's not Magneto to me. Um, but it's hard when Ian McKellen is just so good in the role. So this isn't an X-Men movie that I hate, like Origins Wolverine or um or even um uh Dark Phoenix. It's just it, it it's a movie that I just don't love. There are things about it I really like. Um, and, uh, it was the first time I had to see Patrick Stewart die, unfortunately. And then I, I've had to watch it so many more times. Uh, yeah. but, uh, He's Kenny from South Park at this point. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> true. Uh, I also didn't know until I had seen this movie easily like 10, 15 times, uh, that there was a post credit scene. No idea. Uh, <laughs> oh, this would be a lot as a kid. I saw it like twice in the theater and multiple times on DVD. And it wasn't until probably like two or three years before getting into trivia where I watched this with Maggie and we found a post credit scene. I was like, what the fuck? I never, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, so I, it has some very good X-Men stuff in it, uh, but it is not my favorite X-Men movie. And I will say, I agree with you. Vinnie Jones, Juggernaut is terrible. I don't think he's necessarily bad. They just, the the character is terrible. Yeah. And the Ben, Ben Foster, I think that character just non-existent. I don't think exactly. They give him nothing to do. He's such a good actor and you could have given him, he could have been such a badass. but, and that's the other thing is like the movie is suffers from being a, it was supposed to be Brian Singer. Say what you will about Brian Singer, but he did great things with the first two. He left, to go do Superman returns and they kind of had to throw this thing together. They threw Ratner on it and he's not a great director to begin with. So you throw him on it and then it's just all these half baked ideas coming together. It's, it's, it's rough. I, I don't disagree with Payson on this bed. Best bad X-Men movie. That is fair. Yeah. I would, I would, I would maybe agree with that. Cody's shaking his head because he thinks apocalypse is the answer, but uh, I, I actually like Apocalypse. So, uh, Boatman. I have the sniper on me, so I'm going to be very careful. I do not hate this movie. I, I, real look, it might just be, I, the two things I really like about this that kind of make me forget about, at least forget about the bad things. And I could rewatch this movie and be like, oh, this is terrible. But the two things I really like, Kelsey Grammer's Beast, which is awesome, and is just a very Boatman character. And my, I, I, Beast was always like one of my favorite X-Men characters, because X-Men was the only comic series I ever cared about, and I read a lot of X-Men as a kid. So there you go. And I really like the Mutant Cure storyline. I think that's a lot of fun. I, I really like the Mutant Cure storyline. Dark Phoenix is bad, I'll give you that, but I never really cared about Jean Grey as a character in any version. I'm sorry. Uh, Garth? Uh, yeah. Um, I gotta say, I actually, you know, I, I always go overboard on these lists and list out. And I got a bunch of uh, comics, uh, third, in, third in a series, 
uh, and this was not one of them, uh, but it, <laughs> you know, but uh, but I do love parts of it. I mean, my dad is a doppelganger of Kelsey Grammer, and Beast was always my favorite X Men character. So, uh, uh, getting uh, Kelsey Grammer as the Beast was was awesome, and they handled them really well, uh, showing the educated side of them and and talking with government and being like the ambassador of the mutants. Um, it, it's a really good sign, but uh, the stuff, and as Kirk said, the stuff with the, the cure is from the comics where it's like, you know, if given the, the ability to cure your thing, your mutant ability, some people will rush to it and some people will be like, no, no, I love my mutant ability. Uh, and the choices people have to make uh, but the Dark Phoenix stuff, oof. And then they're like, hey, you know that Dark Phoenix saga thing that kind of flopped? Yeah, let's get the writer of that and uh, make him a writer-director of it and try it again. You know, it's like, so, and then Dark Phoenix comes out and you're like, oh, yeah, they met, he fucked up twice. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, someday hopefully they'll they'll be able to do the Dark Phoenix saga right if they try a third time. But uh, but over overall, uh, there is stuff to love in this. Uh, and I agree with you guys that Benny Jones is the Juggernaut. Oof! And then they had to include the "I'm the Juggernaut" pitch meme. You know, it's like okay, really. So yeah. All right. Uh, so. Uh, we go to my final pick, um, and I'm going to do another Tim basic one because a lot of the good ones have been taken. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Mission Impossible 3. I stand these movies. We've talked about them a lot on the show. I've brought up at least two of them, uh, so this would be the third time I bring one of them up. And um, this is probably my third favorite of the series um, behind Rogue Nation and Fallout. I think that J.J. Abrams did a really, really good job here because I believe this was his directorial debut, and I think I think he did a, a really, really good job here. And I love the action in this movie. I, I love the setup of Ethan being a uh, at-home guy, but also like his job is that he's training the the new agents to go out and and uh, complete these impossible missions. But then he's telling everybody that he works for like the Department of Transportation uh, or whatever. He, yeah, I think it's the Department of Transportation. And there's just some really fun moments at the beginning where they're throwing the house party and he gets to talk to everybody and then gets recruited back for the mission, I think is is super fun. Like I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this one specifically. So, uh, yeah, I think that. Like I said, it's probably my third favorite of the series, uh, but I think there's there's so much good here, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman. Can't forget him. He's so good as this villain. And, um, yeah, I think that the movie overall is just really, really great. And unexpected coming off of the first two, where the first one is, you know, it is a good movie, but then it kind of just, like, went totally crazy banana shit with, John Woo in the second one for them to like reel it back in kind of do something different and keep it exciting and awesome. I love that. So I love this one. Uh, Boatman, your take on mission impossible three. 
Yeah, uh, there was a discussion uh, a while ago about like what is the best Mission Impossible movie, and I don't think this one is the best one. But this, in terms of my ranking, I I think this is my third favorite. If I'm being honest, I really like this one. I I I love Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. I think that. You know, I, I'm not the biggest J.J. Abrams guy, but I think the J.J. Abrams here really work. I think that, like, talk about a great opening scene that just hooks you. Like, there's so much that is just fantastic here. This is kind of the start of getting an actual team around Ethan, and I like that. I love the introduction of Benji. I, I think that... This one is really great. I like all of them, though, except for two. I think all of them are fantastic action movies. And they're all different, which is, like, my favorite thing about this. This one is probably... This one's going for more, like, a Bourne style. Like, this this is more like that, where the first one is more of, like, a paranoia thriller. Fourth one's more of a comedy. And the fifth one are more just big, great blockbusters. Uh, but this one, this one's fantastic. Uh, Kirk, your take on this one. Yeah, I'm just reading the wiki summary because I always have to remind myself which one is which. Um, I like this one. Um, I mean, obviously the standout is Philip Seymour Hoffman. He is so, um, like, he's doing that, like, it's hard to explain. Like, he's doing that, like, schlubby uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman character, but as, like, a international Bond villain type and just, like, crossing those two things over so well. Um, and just like how he like he does that thing where he just does that like you know how he talks like this and he's real and then he just blows out you know just just those moments he has are so good and I think he elevates um, uh, Cruz's performance in this like I, I'm I've never been a huge Tom, Tom Cruise guy um, but I think them working together um, and it's funny because I've heard stories about them working on Magnolia how they really you know uh, worked with each other really well um, but uh, in this movie I think just the two of them have really good chemistry those moments and those really tense moments with them. So um, that's, that's what I remember about it. And that's what I like best about it. All right. Uh, Garth, your take. Uh, yeah, I love this. And I am a JJ Abrams fan, uh, his TV shows especially. And so I loved him throwing uh, Felicity into the mix. I was like, wait, Oh, okay. Uh, but, and the addition of Simon Pegg and, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, as you all said, uh, is one of the best Mission Impossible villains, uh, if not the best. And I also love the MacGuffin, the Rabbit's Foot. You know, you know, like it's a cool name. I, I I don't think we ever find out what it is, really. Do we? Nope, nope, never so, do. Uh, cool. That that was a cool thing. Yeah. All right. So that's our list. So go over to the letterbox page. Uh, take a look at that list. We got the list there and all the movies that we talked about tonight are up there. So uh, we're going to uh, wrap it up by talking about our movie of the month. It is now June. So we have a new movie of the month and we have alluded to it all night It is 1997's contact. Uh, so I uh, I'll kick it off. I watched this today for the first time. Really loved it. Um, kind of echo what scott was saying earlier before he had to, had to leave but i wasn't expecting all of the 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 discourse between like religion and science and whatnot uh to come into this movie and i, I really enjoyed that i thought it was super interesting um jody foster is great in this 
Um, I don't want to spoil it because I know Boatman hasn't watched it yet, but there's there's scenes toward the end where... I some... will mute my speakers so you guys can talk about it freely. Okay, cool. Well, uh, towards the end when she actually makes like official contact, she falls through the thing, and the way they like portray her meeting um, the extraterrestrial life, whatever you want to call it, I thought was really cool, really interesting. Big fan um, overall of the movie. Honestly, there wasn't much I like disliked about the movie. I just thought it was a little long. I don't know what I would have cut from it, but like it's two hours and thirty minutes. It, it, it went on a little bit too long for me. But I thought that there there was really nothing that I was like, oh, I hate that or I dislike this. I gave it a four star. But honestly, I could see this going up upon repeat viewings. I thought every everything was great. All the performances, um, especially. James Woods is a dick, man. He was, he was a dick in this thing. And I loved that. So, uh, and there's a ton of really, really great supporting performances in this throughout that I thought was all very good. Tom Skerritt, I thought was also very good in this too. Uh, and, uh, William Sphincter or whatever his name is, I thought was good. In a little <laughs> too, so, uh, okay. Uh, Kirk, uh, you are talking about it later. That's right. Uh, Garth. We'll go to yeah. You. Yeah, it's funny because I saw this uh, when it came out 25 years ago, and I was thinking, you know, when I had to rewatch it, I was like, when's the last time I saw this? Was it like over a decade ago, maybe 20 years? You know, it's been like a long time since I last saw this. So it was nice to revisit it. Um, and I was reminded that it, it's based on an 80s novel by Carl Sagan, and I still got to read that someday because I wonder how much it, like, sticks to do it or what you know like what characters they added etc but uh but what i love uh the favorite parts for me uh william Fick figner as uh kent clark is based on a real set a guy who's uh blind from birth uh and is known for like hearing signals and things like that so i love that he was in that uh and my my favorite part by far was John Hurt as S.R. Haddon, the eccentric billionaire who's also a brilliant mind and figures out the puzzles and, and stuff in the signals. Uh, and, you know, uh, was it all a hoax by him? Was it all, you know, uh, this elaborate hoax, uh, you know, at the end? Uh, and I, I just love that aspect of it. And as, as, uh, you know, you said it, it's, it explores the, uh, religion versus science and having faith in your science and how is that different from faith in the religion and, and things like that. So very, very interesting stuff explored in this. What would you give it Garth? I, I think I gave it three stars. Like, uh, it'll probably go up to four if I watch it some more. Okay. All right, so somebody wave frantic frantically for Boatman while I hit save on this. Can you can you see us, Boatman? Okay, well, looking, he's not. He's looking down at his phone, so he can't. Well, Garth, you you keep it up. You're doing a good job. Uh, so <laughs> there we go. So uh, that's gonna do it for us talking about Contact tonight. Uh, next week, though, we are talking about space movies. So next week, I believe that is a full panel, uh, but we do still need people for biopics and movie spinoffs. So. That is what is coming up in June. 
Uh, but that's going to do it for us tonight. This has been a great show. So thank you to everybody involved. Thank you to Boatman, Kirk, Garth, uh, and Scott, who had to depart early. But uh, we appreciate him being here. Thank you, guys. We will see you real soon uh, with the next episode. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening.